Hello and welcome. Episode 87 of the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. It's Super Bowl week, Matt. We're here. We finally made it. So on today's episode, we're going to break down the Bengals, break down the Rams, and see who has the edge. I think most people will be surprised that this is a closer matchup than it may appear on Madden. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the game, analyze both the teams, and we'll make our picks on the next episode on Thursday. But first, run the music. Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Guest, with me out in Vegas after serving every single famous, not everyone, but a lot of those pro bowlers out there this past weekend, private parties, your luxury, man, your VIP. How was it out there this weekend for the Pro Bowl? It was busy, man. We had a lot of people come out. Um, it was just nice to have, I think, you know, this big event in Vegas. The next big event that Vegas will host is going to be actually the Grammys come April. Um, oh, no, I yeah, but the city needs it, man. You know, I think, you know, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this past weekend with Kamara, but when you look at a big event like this, it brings a lot of people to town. The entire stadium was filled, right? We can talk about whether the game was competitive or not, but at the end of the day, it's really good from an economic perspective. It's good for my pocket. It's good for people around the city. And Vegas is a place where traditionally you're going to want to come. You're going to want to have a good time. Some people have too much of a good time, right? right. But I, I think overall, like this city was built for events like this. And hopefully throughout the next five or 10 years, we'll see, you know, Major League All-Star Game. Because we haven't talked about this because I personally don't give a shit. The NHL All-Star <laughs> Game was also on Saturday here in Vegas. So you had two All-Star Games collide back-to-back -back days here in Vegas. There was a lot of life in the city. And I think that's, again, what this city was built for. It's a city of hotels. And uh, we definitely, definitely benefited from it. Yeah, and it's a city of entertainment, right? Like, that's what it's all about. You want to go watch a show, you go to Vegas. You want to <laughs> go watch professional sports now, you go to Vegas. You want to go sit down and gamble your life away, you go to Vegas, right? Like, that's what it's all about, man. And I agree, and I I, I don't think the Pro Bowl, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, like, I don't think the Pro Bowl is ever about the game, is it? It's just more about the reminiscing. Oh, shit, that's right. CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, the lineup for the NFC wide receivers was so sick. Justin Jefferson, right? It's like, oh, all those guys on one team, that's awesome. They had a really fun season for me, whether it was fantasy or those were actually your players that you rooted for. Like, all the people out there on social media bitching and complaining that the game sucked and all the legacy players, like I think it was Michael Irvin and um, I, uh, Shannon Sharp was out there like, I can't believe this is what football is like kind of going back to the college thing of kids opting out like do you not realize the proof is in the pudding that it's not worth it to get injured in a game that doesn't matter like that game does nothing for those guys besides a little bit more publicity maybe another advertisement but one stupid freak accident and you're on a contract year bro there goes 25 30 million dollars because those guys are all pro bowlers it's crazy well, and yeah, and I mean, I think about this very similar to the NBA All-Star Game. You know, we don't hear the same kind of like jargon so true. with the NBA. And the NBA All-Star Game is a complete joke. It's a joke. <laughs> Major League Baseball and the, the NHL All-Star Game might be the only two that are moderately competitive. And baseball, even more so than hockey, because hockey is still a physical sport. But in baseball, it's still you got to throw the ball 100 miles an hour, right? Because that's what they're trying to do out there. 
NBA, yep. NFL, all you're trying to do is put on entertainment. And honestly, I watched about five minutes of this game on my phone. It was okay. It was kind of fun, you know, like, but you're not watching competitive natures. You're just watching guys get open, you know, two brothers play each other, one that's a cornerback, one that's a wide receiver, switch positions. Like, it's supposed to be a fun time, and so is the NBA All-Star game. And I think the narrative just needs to change to, like, you know, let's have an offensive lineman throw the football a couple times. Like, just right, let's get right. crazy with it. And I think the interview for the punter of the Raiders was a really good interview, too. Like, it's a fun experience, and that's all you're watching it for. You're not watching it to watch the best of the best go 100% against each other. And the people that want that, I'm sorry. These guys aren't going to put their money on the line. Yeah, I don't want them to either. And it is more for the kids, right? You got, like, Mac Jones running after the play, doing his gritty in the end mm-hmm. zone, which is pretty funny. He was entertaining, and... Yeah, the Stefan and uh, Trevon Diggs stuff was pretty awesome as well. But yeah, dude, no one's no one's tuning in to watch real football. You know, at the end of the day, these guys are off. Some of these dudes, like for example, the Indianapolis Colts, right? They had seven guys make it. They we talked about it on the pod. They missed the playoffs, right? Disappointing end, bro. That was three and a half weeks ago. Like, you really think these guys are out there trying to get hit? Like, come on, man. Um, and then the last thing we'll say before we move into the Super Bowl analysis is the whole argument. This is my opinion, Matt. You can disagree with me if you want. I, you might. I'm not sure. All you see online is we should have the two worst teams play for the first pick. I think that is the most idiotic, unreasonable suggestion out there to replace the Pro Bowl. Let the Pro Bowl be bad. Let you enjoy your players. And if you want to go to Vegas and watch them and potentially meet them, get an autograph, perfect. Because why and what incentive would any player on the two worst teams have to get the number one pick doesn't sound like an incentive for the players it sounds like an incentive for the owners which was the whole Flores issue we just had less than a week ago i have a way better way better solution to this and it literally just came to me oh i can't every wait. single let's go and this isn't about the first round but first overall pick this is just like let's replace the game with something else right let's have football in between the championship series and the super bowl Every team's got a practice squad, right? Every team's got a practice squad. That's known. What if every single team nominated five guys, three guys, to go play in this game, right? This this game where practice squads match up against each other. I think that'd be a lot of fun. You have guys that don't get an opportunity to showcase themselves throughout an entire season. You have guys that may be three years in the league on a practice squad. This might be the opportunity where you see real football. Guys try really, really hard to make either an impact on their team next year, make the roster, or make another roster. And you're going to watch competitive football, and you're going to watch guys that you've never heard of before, and you're going to fall in love with a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. And you could have LaFleur coach still. You could still have Rabel out there. And, you know, again, this would be a building block for the league. It would almost be a developmental kind of G League concept. I would tune in to watch that every single year. Who are these guys? You know, where did they come from? Which college were they in? Why is this guy not playing in the NFL right now? Oh my God, this right tackle has absolutely no business even considering himself a football player. He should go <laughs> sell cars, right? Like silly things like that. But and then have all of the you know top echelon players on the sidelines getting interviews from the Titans, right? From the the Colts, from the Packers. Maybe not you know fifty of them, but have a couple of guys in town representing the game. Uh, because what we're seeing right now, it's just not working. And like you said, I'm not tuning in. You're not tuning in. Maybe for five minutes, that's most. But like all this is doing is kind of a waste. 
Yeah, and maybe on top of that, it can be like what the XFL did too. And in that game, okay, here, let's propose these new rules for extra points, field goals. I remember when the XFL during the year of COVID, before they got shut down, they had some pretty wild rules, but they were they were fun. You know, they were different. So, yeah, I don't hate that idea at all. It would be fun. Um, I still don't know if I'd necessarily watch it, but it would definitely, if you're complaining about competitive football, there's your solution. Well, moving on to the game everyone's going to watch, even people that don't watch football, the Super Bowl. So Matt and I took some extensive notes. We're going to break down every, basically every detail on offense and defense for both teams here. So what we want to start with is just kind of give you, the listener, an idea of, hey, this is what the strengths are for the Bengals, the Rams, and their keys to success and where they could really get beat in the certain aspects of the game. So we're going to start with the underdog. Start with the Cincinnati Bengals. Start with Joe Burrow, the boys, Jamar Chase, that offense, right? So what I got here before Matt comes in with some of his PFF rankings and different breakdowns that he went through was that the Bengals offense this year, believe it or not, 13th overall in total yards. They were seventh best in passing. They gave up, or excuse me, they were the 23rd best rushing offense as well. Their big knock is they give up just about four sacks per game on average, 41% on third down, 55% in the red zone. They rush about 25 times a game for 100 yards. And lastly, they get about 257 yards per game through the air, Matt. What were some of the numbers that you got as well? Yeah, so my big first takeaway after looking at uh, the PFF numbers, and those of you that aren't aware, that's pro football focus. It is a kind of analytic system to gauge players. It's putting a number value on their performance. 90 is an absolute cap. That's like upper echelon, right? That's going to be max. Um, I think it goes all the way up to 100, but 90 is that threshold of elite. That's basically and like the, in a all pro level, that, right? Like those guys yeah. are basically making the all pro team if you're in yep. that high 80s to 90s. You got it. Absolutely. So okay. just for our, our listeners' uh, purpose, you know, Aaron Donald comes in here at a 93.6. That's elite. I mean, that's going to be one of the best in the league, if not the best. But biggest takeaway right off the bat was that I think in this game, with the way that the Rams secondary rates out, we'll get to that in a little while, I think all three of the big wide receivers, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins, should be looked at as number one wide receiver threats in this game. Each one of them has a great grade. You have T. Higgins at an 80, uh, 84.5, Jamar Chase coming in at an 83.1, and then Tyler Boyd's at a 72.6, but I think that is because his target share has been taken away over the last couple of years with the emergence of Higgins and now Chase. If you remember back a few years ago, Boyd was looking like an emerging star. He still is that same player. So I think big, big thing I'm taking away from these rankings, that's secondary for the Rams. All three could be number one options. And two of them will definitely have good games. Secondly here, we kind of talked about the allowed rush uh, from the Rams and the Bengals giving up four sacks per game. We have some glaring weaknesses on this Bengals offensive line. They have the left tackle that was taken out of Alabama a couple years ago. Didn't miss his rookie season with a torn ACL. He's actually playing okay. But we have a center and a right guard that are absolutely anemic on this team. <laughs> they both grade under 60. It's pretty bad. So the, the right tackle also is not good. He's coming in at a 58 overall um, aye, right aye, guard aye. at a 
48.3. And I'm not I'm not saying this this guy's name because I can't say it. The right tackle is Isaiah Prince. That's not good. Um, their center, Trey Hopkins, came in at a 51.4. So that entire right side of the Bengals line per PFF is a glaring weakness. And I think we're gonna see that that uh, that issue come up, right? So last takeaway that I'll have for this uh, Bengals offense is they got to get the ball out quick. They've got to run the ball. I have put it here if Joe Mixon can run the ball for 125 yards in this game, Bengals win. I guarantee it. 125, Bengals win. But with that line and how it stands up, Burrow's going to need to get the ball out of his hands quick, and he's going to have to lean on those three wide receivers. Yeah, and, and we'll get to the Rams defense here when we cover them, but... That's a big issue. That's going to be a big issue for the Bengals, right? The Rams defense checks out um, not very great against, or excuse me, not very great against the pass, but sixth overall against the rush. So right there, just like Cincinnati. Um, One of my keys to success was right up there with you, right? I said Mixon needs to average about three yards per carry. So if that averages out to 125 on the game, whatever that might be, I think at the end of the day, they need Mixon to have an impact on the running game. They cannot get complacent and start throwing the ball early and often. Obviously, if they get down into a 14 to 20 point lead, that could be a problem. Obviously, they overcame that against Mahomes in Kansas City, but that's not the game that they want to play. That's for sure. Um, What I had over here as well, Matt, so on top of Mixon getting his three yards per carry roughly throughout the game to just establish the run, I think that the Bengals need to get their receivers involved, like you said, but I think more importantly, they need to establish Jalen Ramsey either on one side of the field guaranteed the whole time, or he's covering Chase, or he's covering Higgins and saying, okay, perfect, Ramsey's going to try and take away X receiver, whoever it might be, and then it's the T. Higgins game. Then it's the Tyler Boyd game. Uzama, I think he's going to play, but he's going to be limited, man. He came out and said, there's no way I'm missing the biggest game of my life. Uzama's the tight end, and he's been playing very well for Cincy. But I think it's that number two guy that's really going to be the key to success for Cincinnati winning. If that number two guy is Higgins, I will go over prop bets next episode. I could see Higgins a buck 50 and a touchdown, maybe two, because we've talked about it all season with the Rams. Yes, they're contenders. Yes, they're really, really good at football this year, and they're a great team. Outside of Ramsey, that secondary is beatable. It can be exploited. I think your goal should be Ramsey. Sure, take out Chase. Try your best, because we have two other guys that can dominate you. No, and I absolutely agree, and this Rams secondary their PFFs are not good. We'll talk about that, and I'll, I'll list their names in a minute here. But, yeah, Ramsey's been great. And this is the thing that all, dating all the way back to Revis Island, right? When you take away an entire side of the field, it changes the game plan. But the Bengals have even said it. They're not they're not going to look at Ramsey like, oh, it's a black hole over there. We can't throw it. They're going to throw the ball. Yeah. And Ramsey only rates out at an 84 for PFF. Like, I, I think Ramsey's a great cornerback, but I also think he has weaknesses. Darrell Revis years ago... There wasn't a weakness other than Randy Moss. He wasn't getting beat. Don't even try. We've seen Ramsey beat, and we've seen Ramsey beaten bad multiple games, right? We've also seen him completely shut down DK Metcalf. So it'll really kind of depend on what is his performance. But I don't think the Bengals should be afraid to throw to him. But at the same time, open up the field. Throw to the other guys, right? Don't target him 15 times, but maybe target him six, seven times, right? Just make the Rams cautious that, hey, we will throw, which will then open up the rest of the field. 
Yeah, 100%, bro. And then, obviously, there are limitations on offense, right? Um, one turnover maximum. They can't average... They average just about a turnover a game. It's a little bit under. It's 0.8 turnovers per game for the Bengals. I don't think they can afford to give up more than two turnovers on this game. Can't give the Rams two extra possessions with their defense, right? I still don't trust Cincinnati's defense all the way, and we'll get to them in one second. And then lastly for me is you're averaging almost four sacks per game. The Rams uh, get about three sacks per game on defense. If the Rams get four more sacks, I just I just don't know if they can afford it to climb back out of that hole. Yeah, I agree. And one of the big takeaways I had after listing the right side of that offensive line's uh, gradings, you got a yeah, double team. That might mean Uzama in there. That might mean a, a a subbed offensive lineman, you know, a seventh guy, sixth guy to fill in that position. You've got to provide these guys help. You can't just 100%. allow a traditional to traditional stand and pass protection. You got to give them a little bit of help and and Mixon too, right? It's going to be a big performance in this passing game. He's got to be able to check his guys. You know, if Mixon's getting blown up right before Burrow, Burrow's not going to have any time. I think logically Taylor's going to come into this game and say, hey. That right side, we're going to sure it up. If that means it takes away a little bit of our offensive game plan, so be it. We cannot allow Darnold to completely dominate our offensive line. Moving on to Cincinnati's defense here. So their defense actually, and this is where I was going to say in the intro, right? Like this is, I think, where it's going to surprise you. The defensive rankings and the statistics for these teams overall really line up pretty similarly. The Rams offense checks out a little more elite, which we'll get into here in a second, but the Cincinnati defense is no joke, man. 18th in total yards. This is where it's going to be huge. 26th against the pass, but the rush defense is fifth overall. So my defensive keys here, this is, this is what I think is massive is that they've got to be able to make Matt Stafford throw the ball. If they can make the Rams throw 40-plus, I think that's a win. The reason being is their defensive line is actually going to be the catalyst. I know I said the 26-path defense. That's terrible. Like That's pretty much six worst teams in the league after you there, right? But they're getting to the quarterback three and a half times a game. They got to Mahomes four times. So if they know it, they, they have a pass... They're getting home a decent amount, which I think can play to their favor. They've got to be able to force them to pass it so that they can get their D-line going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my grades out for DJ Reader, their nose tackle comes at an 80.9. Well, yes, that's not Aaron Darnold's 93 point whatever. That's sure. still very good. You know, it's serviceable. And especially at, when we get to the Rams guard positions, they have some weaknesses. Trey Hendr- uh, Hendrickson is a very good rusher as He's well. He's really good. Sam- Yep, very good. Sam Hubbard's out there, also been making some plays. He grades in at a 64.3, but he's been playing above that rating. My concerns is that secondary. One of the big takeaways I have for this game is if Jesse Bates and Eli Apple and Mike Hilton can jump some routes, force some Matt Stafford interceptions, which we all know is possible, right? We saw it in the last game. It was just dropped. Game-changing play was given to the 49ers and wasn't taken advantage of. And you flip that around, Mike Hilton had a game-changing play, which he took advantage of a few rounds ago against the Titans. So you have a secondary that's looking to take advantage of a quarterback. That could be a huge glaring weakness as well, though. And I even said it in my notes. I said, listen, if they're jumping routes early, they're jumping routes all through this game and they're getting burned, it will be a blowout because the (laughs) Rams will just absolutely pick them apart. But if they can stay diligent, if they can choose to jump those routes at the right time and be disciplined... 
you might have a completely different swing here. You might have Matt Stafford, two interceptions, one taken back to the house. Sure. Complete momentum swift. But real quick, those grades out for Jesse Bates. He's a 56.2. Terrible, but he is, in my opinion, their best defender. I'm guessing that's a significant grade hit on his run game. Uh, that is put okay. into the equation for safeties. You have Von Bell, their other safety, coming in at a 63.3. Ouch. Mm. Eli Apple rates in at a 61.0. We saw some of his weaknesses against the Chiefs, and we also saw some of his great coverage. He is a boom or bust cornerback, and he's not a pro bowler. So unlike Marcus Peters, who plays that same kind of game, he doesn't have the same kind of upside. Uh, you've got the... Mike Hilton, forementioned at a 72.4, and then you have a gentleman playing uh, cornerback who I completely cannot pronounce. It is uh, <laughs> Chide something, rating it at an 83.4. He's actually had an incredible season. Uh, Chide, I'm very sorry that I cannot pronounce your name. Those of you that are listening and are interesting, you can go ahead and look him up. But yeah, 83.4 <laughs> is very impressive. Um, that's kind of you know going to give them an edge. I think what he'll probably be doing is sitting on either Cooper Cup or OBJ. But they're going to have to play a lot of zones as well. They cannot rely on man-to-man coverage because we've seen from these ratings, these guys just don't are they're not good enough to stick to it. Yeah, and that's scary, man, because Cooper Cup is the zone killer. It's what he's been doing all season. But they dropped into cover four and beat the Chiefs last week. So that that's the only thing that kind of goes against and what I'm having a hard time kind of deciding on who to pick for this game is like you think it'd be pretty obvious after watching the first half of Kansas City but they did shut down Hill Mahomes they they shut down the offense in the second half you know they only give up three points in the entire second half to get to the Super Bowl so if they can somehow get in Stafford's head get in McVay's head I think if they can slow down the run force them to be one-dimensional that will work in their favor because that's exactly what Kansas City did is they got one-dimensional. And even though that pass defense is definitely not good, when you're one-dimensional, it's easier to play football, especially when, you have, when you're in the Super Bowl, when you have great players. So that's uh, that would be my keys to success. I think the obvious, <laughs> the obvious problem for Cincinnati defense is who's going to stop Cooper Cup, right? Who, who is going to be able to match him in his own, on his own defense? Because... We've seen all season, if you zone up the Rams, you might be able to cover him for a little bit, but he's going to pop you for 40. He's going to pop you for 50, or he's going to catch and dink and dunk for 15 catches throughout the whole game and just kill you throughout the entire game. So who's going to stop Cooper Cup? I'm really nervous that they don't, they're not going to have an answer for him. Yeah, and I mean, that's where that ball hawk mentality is going to come in and being disciplined, right? Like, if he beats you three quarters, and in that fourth quarter, Matt Stafford just drops back, lets it slip a little bit, throws the same route for the third time, and Apple can jump it, right? Or, you know, maybe Bates can jump it, changes the game. Like, that. that is the idea, right, of a zone defense is at any time a player can leverage with his instincts and jump a route. Even with man coverage, but man coverage, you know, you're just going to have to rely on the fact that you're jamming your guys at the line, that you're playing a press. Zone is, it's it's a huge risk here with the way these guys rate out. But at the same time, when you have this many bad guys, you've got to protect them against themselves. So it definitely will be interesting to see how that goes. All right, Matt, moving on to the favorites, the home team. The L.A. Rams. L.A. Rams offense, we've been pretty much documenting it all season. Outside of Stafford's 17 picks, Cooper Cup, historic season. Got the triple crown receptions, touchdowns, and yards on the season. He's had, a honestly, one of the most memorable seasons in recent memory. You know, he's played great this year. 
Cam Akers coming back off injury, Stafford getting traded from the Lions, them getting Odell Beckham, Robert Woods going out. Kind of the perfect storm for the Rams. You know, everything seemed to kind of, as I've been saying, the stars have aligned in Hollywood for them a little bit this year, especially getting to the dance. So their numbers on offense are extremely impressive. Ninth overall in total yards, fifth fifth best passing offense. Their rushing yards are down this year from years past for obvious reasons. 25th overall, they're averaging about 98 yards rushing per game. 278 yards passing per game. I think this is impressive. They're shooting at almost 68% of their passes completed on the season. That's really good for a pro team. The one con, I brought it up earlier, Stafford averaging one interception per game in the regular season. We just talked about it. You know, he should have had two in that game. Uh, against the Niners did have one and is you know vulnerable to giving up turnovers in big situations and they're also giving up almost three sacks per game the average is a little bit under so I put two but just about three sacks per game on the season as well which will coincide with what we said earlier about that Cincinnati defense how is the Rams grading out in your eyes Matthew yeah, I mean, we have the obvious. We talked about Aaron Darnold a little bit earlier at a 93.6. We talked about Ramsey at 84.5. Those guys are given. Cup at a 92.3, right? Cup is number possibly one wide receiver right now in the league by numbers. And I think he uh, was uh, at, graded out by PFF. Yeah, absolutely. Which well, makes, which makes the, sense. He had the best season. He did. Yeah, you look at the actual tangible stats, receptions, yards, right? He was out there as the best. So that 92.3, it makes sense. But we're not really going to talk about those guys with the numbers because we know who they are. I want to talk about some of the, de- the the deeper guys. We have a left guard and a right guard. We have Austin Corbett coming in at a 68.8 and David Edwards at a 66.4. Both guards have tough matchups against this Bengals team. We talked about the Bengals and how they rate out. This is going to be a good pass rush from the Bengals. Not as notable as the Rams, right? These guys aren't superstars because, well, they play in Cincinnati. And so the Bengals were not expected to be in the Super Bowl. So these guys right. aren't plastered all over billboards, and they're not on commercials, but they do have a good pass rush. And those both guard positions, they're going to be tough. You're going to have a lot of interior pressure. But more so what I see from that, too, is Cam Akers is coming back from this injury. We've talked about this a few weeks in a row. He looks good. One of my biggest takeaways from this game is can Cam Akers go out there and perform well? Because if he can, it's a wrap. Then you have balance. Then this team is looking like an absolute all-star team. But when both of your guard positions are weak going up against a good interior rush, it's going to hold up and clog up those lanes a lot easier than you have in the last few games. So both of those position players do not grade well. They will be keys for me. But flip side of that, their center does actually grade out very, very well. He grades at an 80.2. That's Brian Allen. Wow. And I said this to you before we started talking. I said, honestly, all the research I did today, it might be the most important player in this game, Brian Allen, their center. (laughs) If Brian Allen could hold his position down against that nose tackle, DJ Reader, we might be talking about a game of dominance from the Rams because 80.2 is pushing elite. Right, it's not necessarily Pro Bowl or All Pro, but it's definitely holding a kind of uh, safety. It's not shitty. It's not shitty. Um, And the last thing I'll say, it you know, it's kind of been reiterated by you, Cooper Cup. At the end of the day, if Cooper Cup can take over the fourth quarter, it's over. Right? If if he can go out there and get ten catches, that ninety-two overall player rating, and perform as an elite wide receiver, he may also change the narrative that he's not a top three. If he can have a huge game. Cooper Cup might be going into next year as possibly a top three wide receiver because he did it when the lights were the brightest. Oh, for sure. And he and he has all playoffs, man. Like there's there is no denying it. And there's been (laughs) probably not not as many people 
like me that like I'm a pretty I was a hater all season you know I was finding the negative in his performance all season and I've come around you know you got to get slapped in the face with reality and when the lights are the brightest when everyone in the damn building knows he's getting the ball he still gets it and that is something to be said that's not just the scheme that's not just Matt Stafford that's him being an elite route runner knowing what he's doing and finding the holes in the zone or burning a guy one-on-one it's just the facts and I'm a Devontae Adams guy. Like, but it's just it's it's the truth, you know? So I totally agree with you, man. Like, when the whole freaking SoFi Stadium knows he's getting the ball, is he getting it? And if those passes are incomplete or he's covered up and the Bengals can get off the field, they'll win the game. If they don't, they'll probably be looking just like the San Francisco 49ers, like, shit. We should have covered him, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I have on here for my notes, Cup. If he gets 10 plus catches. It's probably a wrap, right? It's probably a wrap for the Rams. Or on the flip side of that, force him to double team because guess what? I think this will be the Odo Beckham coming out party. This is the moment he's been waiting for. He's been in the league almost 10 years now. I think a little less than that, but he's been in the league for a while now. A couple huge injuries. This is the moment he's been waiting for. If they can force the Bengals to double team cup, dude, Odell, once again, we'll get to prop bets next time. But as you can see, foreshadowing here, T. Higgins, Odell are going to be all over my ticket for Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, and Odell's uh, pro football focus grade is not good. You and I kind of talked about this off off air today. I think a lot of that has to do with his time in Cleveland, the lack of usage, the last, lack of production. He comes in at a 67.8. When you look at the tape, if you're an analytics-only yeah. judgment on players, you're wrong here. Odell Beckham looks great out there. Is he Odell when he was 21, 22? No, but he's still, <laughs> right. you know... 80% of that, and that guy can take over a football game. We saw it last week. I had 100 yards, right? Odell Beckham could absolutely go out for 170 on 12 catches and two touchdowns oh, yeah. in this game, and it would not it would not surprise me. But at the same time, Odell has been shown to have injuries. He has been shown you know, to have some issues. This will be a very, very good opportunity for him to bring that superstar back to life, and I really I like Odell. I hope he does that. Um, we're going to, time will tell, right? This is a cup Odell game, just like it's a Higgins chase game. All these players, they grade out great. You know, we saw the Bengals absolutely annihilate the chiefs in the regular season. We saw them go for historic numbers. And I'm really curious to see if this Ram secondary is going to be able to hold up. No, for sure. And last thing on Odell, man, is, uh, as the, no, now Odo Beckham apologist Colin Coward because he hates Baker so much, at least on TV. <laughs> um, he he did he has pointed out, and I think PFF uh, posted it on Twitter. Is I think Odell was either the first or second highest graded receiver in the playoffs thus far. Um, he has a pretty high ranking in the playoffs, which makes sense, man. He's been playing great. He's won games for the Rams in the regular season. He's came up clutch here in the postseason. So. I could see him having a massive game. Uh, the last uh, big key to success, I think, and you kind of alluded to this earlier with Cam Akers, is I put in here, quote, don't be afraid to win the game by running the football. And that kind of goes with what I said with Kansas City, or excuse me, <laughs> Cincinnati defense, is don't be afraid to win the, the game by running the football if you're the Rams. Kansas City got away from McKinnon, got away from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and it completely dismantled their entire offense in the second half. You got to get Sony Michelle going, get him hot, get Cam Akers hot, get him going early and often. And if they can establish the play action, screen passing, and those zone reads as far as on offense for the Rams, I think they could probably win this game by 10 points. But if they become one dimensional, that's when they get sketchy 
in my opinion. I'll get to their issues. You can go first. Yeah, I mean, just to wrap that, I, I fully agree with you. You look at that Titans game that Cincinnati played. It was a very different running approach, right? You had right. Derrick Henry and you had uh, Freeman, Foreman. And they they held up very well. Well, Akers is a very fast running back. Even after the Achilles, we're seeing that his explosiveness is there. His speed is there. Sony Michelle, not so much. Cam Akers needs to touch this ball 20 times in this game. You know, that For needs sure. to be the game plan. I'm sure he's ready to do that. And I hope we see that because it's going to bring a different element to this game. But kind of starting off with this Rams defense, we know the names again, right? We've talked about Darnold and Ramsey. Who I want to talk about is David Long Jr. cornerback. Rating of 58.8. That's a slot mm. receiver for you. Ouch. That's bad. Now, he's played a little bit better in the postseason, but 58.8, you're talking about a guy that's probably not starting in the NFL next year. Then we're going to talk about Darius Williams, their number two cornerback. So paired up with Jalen Ramsey, right? He's the guy on the other side of the ball. 65.3. Not Oof. good at all. Now, reading into Darius Williams today, um, at a very like sluggish, bad regular season to start the year, has come on a little bit better. He had a very good 2020 season. Okay. We've been told that he is starting to perform similar to his 2020 ex- expectations. My thing is, what wide receivers has he really had to cover in, in these last few games, right? Ramsey was on Evans when they played the uh, the Bucks. Right Then they go up against the 49ers, and I know Debo's out there, but Debo's basically uncoverable, so you can't really put that on anybody. This is going to be the first game that Long Jr. and Williams are really going to have to go up against good wide receivers because it's going to be T. Higgins. It's going to be Tyler Boyd out there. These guys are not chumps. You put them on bad teams, they are easily the number one wide receiver on that bad team, right? So right. each of these guys is going to have a very tough day. And at 58.8 and 65.3, I'm expecting both of them to get taken advantage of on the regular. Now, the only thing that will help them is a strong pass rush from Aaron Darnold, right, from Greg Gaines. That offensive line for the Bengals we talked about is not good. So if you're able to bring the pressure and do it all through the game, that's going to elevate these guys in the secondary, their performance. But again, we've got Eric Weddle out there as well. I think 33, 34 years old, has been out of the league for two or three years, has had a decent postseason for that. He has played said. well, yeah, yeah. He's played well. But again, this this wide receiving core for the Bengals is very, very good. So these ratings really did concern me. Um, I don't have much more to say outside than I am scared for the Rams secondary if they cannot bring pressure. Yeah, and their overall rankings support that too, right? They they slowed down Brady in the first half, but gave up a ton in that game to Tampa Bay. Jimmy, you know, everyone on our TikTok just losing their fucking mind that I said that the game was lost and over after Tart dropped the pick. I still stand by that. We can get over onto that kind of stuff in the offseason. But where I'm going with this is Jimmy played fine all game. It was the last two drives that he went three and out that everyone's just holding their hat on, pretending that the first three and a half quarters didn't happen. Where I'm going with this is that the Rams secondary is an issue. It is the weak. That is the weakness. It's not Jalen Ramsey. It's the secondary as a whole, as you just said about the rankings. And the numbers are there to prove it. They are 17th overall in total yards on the season. They are 22nd in pass defense. So that's only four spots better than the Cincinnati Bengals' terrible pass defense, right? They're right there. And they'd probably be above them if they didn't have Jalen Ramsey. Let's be honest, right? Um, Some good things, though, about this defense is that they're nasty. 
They average just about four sacks per game, like I was saying earlier. And at the end of the day, they have the best defensive player in all of football. Von Miller's playing great as well. On top of that, with Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd is playing very good too. So this defense is no joke. Their linebackers are average at best. Everyone besides Ramsey is average at best. But I think that the the game is going to be won in the trenches. If Kansas City's offensive line or what you suggested, if they could just help double team with a tight end, an extra guy in there on the outside so you can double the inside with Donald, you'll be all right. If they can get pressure with three, if they can get pressure with four, they're going to they're gonna smoke them. Honestly, that's how I feel. Well, yeah, and I, my, the way I would go into this game, honestly, if I'm Taylor, I'm going to give added protection to my offensive line. I'm going to allow my guys to go out there and they're going to, and beat those worst players. Boyd, Higgins, Chase, go get open because I know you can against these guys. These guys are chumps. They're guys that literally are on this team because they're paying $20 million to this guy, $30 million to this guy, $40 million to this guy, right? The other guys, right. they literally picked them up off the street, literally in Eric Weddle's case. <laughs> so yeah. go out there and beat them on your routes because I'm going to give Joe time. You know, I'm going to put seven guys on that line and Mixon's going to be chipping them as they come at him. Burrow's going to have five, six seconds. Go get open. That's the game plan, right? And then hand it off to Mixon. Let him do his absolute best to bring balance to this game and just attack. The last thing I have is my takeaways for the Bengals and the and the Rams. They both have confidence, but the Rams have been here. They have the experience. The Bengals haven't, but that also means that they don't have like the fa- the past um, four or five years of losses and disappointment. Sometimes that's a really big thing for a team. Just going out there with blind confidence because you don't know what failures like at that level. And I think that could be a really good thing if the coaching is up to those levels. Yeah, no, dude, I completely agree in that kind of coincides with my last takeaways right for the Bengals get under their skin that's the key to success against the Rams every time whenever they're losing they get frustrated Donald will get his 15 yard penalty Ramsey be yelling on the sidelines you got to get in their head right get them emotional get them against the ropes and then lastly for the Bengals you got to have a big play there has to be the chase 60 yard bomb there has to be the Higgins 50, 60 yard touchdown or the screen pass to Mixon. They've got to have one or two huge plays in the game to stay alive. And then also for them, <laughs> keep it in field goal range, man. Just get McPherson out there as much as possible. <laughs> the kid, the kid has ice in his veins. Um, on the flip side for the Rams, I think it's pretty straightforward. Lean on your superstars. Let your stars be stars. Let them have their moment in LA, whether it's on offense with Stafford cup odell beckham jr on defense von miller super bowl mvp in that super bowl 50 for the denver broncos don't forget that right aaron donald jalen ramsey if the stars are stars if we get a couple sacks from miller and donald and we get a pick from ramsey you know i i just see this really falling apart for them so those are the biggest keys i think what we've seen all postseason is that destiny has been like kind of whispering in our ear Evan McPherson's going to win this game on a field goal. Well, why, why should it end any other way, right? The kid Dude. has been perfect all postseason. Or how crazy would it be if Evan misses his first field goal, say they're down by one, right, down by two, and he just misses it wide right, wide left. I don't see that, but I think it would be amazing, amazing career starter for the kid, right? The last time we saw a career like that was probably Venetary when he won how many Super Bowls for the Patriots? Against McPherson's two. just a fun story. 
Yeah, that's true. That's just what I've been thinking about with these numbers, man, is, and this isn't a, a Tom Brady, Joe Burrow comparison. I just truly think this is greatest show on turf. You know, Kurt mm-hmm. Warner, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, all the boys, like they had no business losing that game to the New England Patriots that year. And that's the same thing. No one thought New England was going to win. No one really thought they deserved to be in there. The tuck rule, right? And then not that Cincinnati had that much controversy, but nobody was picking Cincinnati even at the beginning of the playoffs. And I couldn't agree with that take more. I feel like if it does come down to the end and the kid is behind the ball, that Cincinnati is going to win the game. And, you know, maybe maybe we are seeing a repeat of history. Maybe we are in a simulation, literally, right? I thought it was a glitch in the matrix, yeah. (laughs) Dude, straight up. Like, it's just, it's too eerily similar. Once again, I have my list of about 15 props that I like right now, and we'll talk about it next episode. McPherson, I promise you is on there. <laughs> Dude, I would I'd be down and again here in Vegas we're a little more limited than the rest of the country. We can't jump on FanDuel and place bets. Um but I would be down to throw 100 bucks on Evan McPherson game-winning field goal to win it. It just it just feels right, man. It's just it like does. that's what the, that's what the that's what the football world needs after everything we've gone through with this entire generation of Brady and then COVID and then the BS with Rodgers. Like, Evan, just go out there and become a superstar, man. Just behave your way. (laughs) For sure, man. Well, everyone, thank you. Really quick recap on both these teams, what their strengths are, weaknesses. We put our keys to success. As I've brought up a good amount on this, we're going to talk and make our pitcher bet, make our prop bets next week, and then we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. It will be over the day that we talk on our episode so we'll talk a little bit about the nba trade deadline what goes on and we'll keep you informed and have our picks for the super bowl follow us on instagram twitter tiktok at pitcher bet pod can't wait to see you guys on thursday peace out